Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. All right, here we go. Yay! Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Consider with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. Our first episode we're recording since we've met. Do you feel like a different person? I don't I don't either. (laughs) It feels exactly the same. I know. Everyone's like, was it wild to meet? No. It was wonderful. I'm so glad that I got to hug you. You smelled really good. That was the first thing Tara said to me. I mean, other than like, hi, yay. I said, you smell so good. Chance Chanel. I was just excited for you. Thanks. I'm even wearing perfume now and you can't even smell me. So that's true. But it it was so great. And thanks for all the love. I mean, everybody who commented and I know like 
beamed over the fact that we had met. It was such a loving moment. Yeah. And yeah, now we just know that we're the same height. We can confirm. We are literally, yes, exactly. I did, though, wear tall shoes so that I could live up to Haley's expectation that I was tall. But I also had my platform sneaks on. So like, Yeah, so we both kind of that. lived up to the expectation. But yeah. everything I thought I knew about you was correct. Thank God. <laughs> you know, Gorgeous I, no notes. When I walked up to you, your head was tilted down because you were wearing your hat. I recognized you because of the roses that we wore. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so sad that I couldn't find my Hades Town flower. I know. People told me, like, Haley, that's not a rose. I'm like, but we said in the episode that you hadn't listened to yet. Exactly. We said we were yeah. going to bring our Hades Town flowers. Yeah. I couldn't find mine. I think I might have given mine away. That's, that makes sense. But I've had it for years. It was in this apartment at one point, but I think through, like, a purge of all my stuff. Yeah. I was like, it's you know what? I don't need this anymore. Flower. And little did I know I would actually need it for a very you important did. moment. But that's okay. I brought yeah. a rose in true bachelorette fashion just to really hone in on last week's Somewhere to Consider <laughs> episode. I brought a rose. Exactly. We met at a bookstore because I had brought four books with me, but I wanted a new one. So in true Gilmore Girls fashion, I forced you to come to a bookstore for me. Well, I've actually been to that Shakespeare and Company several times. That has actually been a landmark for some really cool happenings. Before I lived in the neighborhood, I actually went to that Shakespeare and Company to look for Jenna Fisher from the office to look for her book. She had signed signed. copies of the book at Shakespeare and Company. I think I told the story on my Instagram story last year. Oh, okay. So they had signed copies of her book, which I love. And I got it right before I started filming Under the Influence. It was very inspirational oh. to me. Oh, oh, that's why I knew this. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know if they had any copies of them left. And I went and they had the last signed copy there and I knew it was a good sign but also Shakespeare and Company is where Harry and Sally see each other and meet again for the third and final time in When Harry Met Sally it's not that specific one yeah I believe that the one that they shot at was the one on the east side I'd have to double check that but I I just love Shakespeare and Company in general so it was really exciting to meet you there because for me that bookstore is very special I love that area so much were you nervous to meet me? No, I I mean I was ex- like nervous excited, you know, like yeah. I must felt like we should have like been on opposite sides of like the window, you inside and me outside to like have that screen between us. Oh, <laughs> I know. Just to like, you know, reminisce about how we usually are. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. <laughs> we did realize that we have the same almost the exact same eye color. Oh yeah. That like we just like stared into each other's eyes as you do when you meet someone for the first time. <laughs> Literally. Wild. Look at us. Love it. Written in the stars. Truly. <laughs> but anyway, we're actually only going to be playing one voicemail today. Um, many of you sent us in our DMs the Huffington Post article regarding Scott Patterson's experience that he shared on his podcast, I Am All In. And in addition to that, somebody called in asking for our opinion on it. Just to kind of give a precursor to today's episode, we want to let you know that we will not be directly discussing what takes place in Kyle's bedroom in Kegmax, but if any of you do not want to hear us talk about it and around it, I would recommend this being the trigger warning for you and to maybe not listen Listen to this episode just out of respect for anybody where that might be a sensitive topic again we're not going to address it in its entirety because Haley and I really want to make sure that we address it with the most sensitivity and the most knowledge and the most research that we can and we want to make sure that our thoughts on it are thoroughly well thought out um so we just wanted to issue that caveat that we will be addressing what 
Scott shared in addition to the episode itself, but we will not actually be directly addressing what happens in Kyle's bedroom between Jess and Rory. The reason that we're going to play this voicemail is because this bestie who called in drew attention to the fact that the article that was written that has been circulating throughout multiple news platforms is Scott speaking to the most disturbing scene on Gilmore Girls. And this bestie kind of calls into question whether or not that is actually the case, not just in Gilmore Girls, but in the episode Keg Max. Hi, besties. I had a quick question for you guys. I was wondering if you knew that the actor who played Luke James, that uh, Scott Patterson had his own Gilmore Girls podcast. It's called I Am All In with Scott Patterson, where he's watching the Gilmore Girls show for the first time. I haven't given a listen, but I just found that really, really fascinating. My second question is related to Scott Patterson. He's in the news recently. A Huffington uh, Post was written about a scene in season three in Peg and Max where Lorelai and uh, her best friend are objectifying Luke's butt. And I talked about the objectification that men also experience, especially on sets like TV show sets. Uh, a lot of people have different reactions to this. Some people say it's valid for men to not want to be objectified, while others say it was a turning of the tables to clearly show how women experience things. I was honestly shocked that the scene that he was disturbed by was that, and, you know, not by the scene between uh, both Rory and uh, Jack. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, Anonymous Bestie, thank you for calling in. I think this is an incredibly important question to pose because they point out two different ends of the spectrum of people's reactions of saying that, you know, we should give men the same grace that we give women when it comes to them feeling objectified and feeling like the scene that is widely known within the fandom as being the most disturbing scene in Gilmore Girls, specifically in that episode, not being acknowledged I believe that there's room for both. I think two things can be true at the same time. I want to preface this by saying, and I think this is the same for you, I have only listened to one episode until today of Scott's podcast, and that was his first episode because I was so intrigued when it came out. I listened to the one that Milo was on. Oh, you did? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to listen to that one. I listened to the very first one when it came out. I thought it was so exciting. You know, I love Luke's character, and I was intrigued to hear about the perspective from Scott. Truth be told, and you're going to laugh at this, I'm not a podcast listener. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a podcast doer. Um, so I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts. So it had nothing to do with the fact that I didn't want to listen to it. It was just that I fell off of it. Yeah. We also have a recap podcast on Patreon, so I don't ever want to like... I never want those you know, two to be mixed. Exactly. Yeah. I'll pop in for like for like cool guests, but yeah, for you're sure. right. I, I listened to this because I wanted to hear how they were talking about it. Yeah. And... I think that you're right that two things can be true at the same time, but mostly because what they're pointing out here and like the two, I guess, reactions that people had are two things that can be true at the same time because it's experience versus narrative Mm -hmm. is kind of what the conversations that are happening here. And I think that you have to separate those two because to say that what's going on in the narrative is the same thing that's being experienced by the people in the production and in this case, Scott, who is an actor in the show, are two completely different conversations. For sure. They can have the same sort of like sensitivity brought to them. But at the end of the day, this was 
Scott in the workplace feeling really uncomfortable with what was happening. So let's talk about that because I do think it's important to unpack, right? Yeah. The scene that he's referring to where he felt objectified was when Luke is like, isn't he like fixing a sink or an oven or something? I haven't watched the scene in a while and I don't really watch that episode very often. Interestingly, we talk about that a lot because of the scene in Kyle's bedroom. Stop watching it. Yeah. Yeah. But I do remember that there is a scene where he is fixing something and, you know, Lorelai comes in and Suki is so embarrassed because she had her hand on his butt the whole time. (laughs) And she's like, I haven't said anything because I have my hand on his butt. And again, I haven't watched the scene in a minute, but regardless, regardless of what the scene came across as in the narrative of the show, from Scott's experience and what he described, they really talk about his butt a lot. And that's something that made him feel incredibly uncomfortable and something that at the time he didn't speak up about, but he's clearly carried this with him. Yeah. And in rewatching this, it sounded like it was pretty triggering for him to rewatch. Yeah. And like, that makes me so sad because every time I've watched this scene, you know, it's funny to watch Lorelai and Suki, you know, talk to their friend, but to have the perspective now, like I'm always going to watch the scene differently knowing that he felt this way and he does talk to the fact that like in 2003 it wasn't okay it's not okay now it's not like about it being through like a 2022 lens it's just like at that time he didn't feel comfortable and like I would hope that now and I mean I hoped then but it seems to not be the case that if you're in a if an actor's in a scene when they're being objectified in some way or being like part of their body is being so blatantly pointed out in front of all of these people that there would be a moment of like hey are you okay with this? Like, yeah. are you okay with everyone staring at you like this? Mm. That I I hate that he had that experience and he talked about being at work that day and how horrible it was. Yeah. And I just hate that so much for him because it, it, it could have been so easily avoided if there would have been like a care and consideration in how they were going about yeah, show, executing showcasing that. His, his body, objectifying yeah, him. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that that's the reason why they have intimacy coaches on set. And I wonder if there's something, because I know that intimacy coaches are really there to kind of guide people who have to be intimate with one another through the scene. But I wonder if there's anybody on set who's kind of, if it's an intimacy coach or if it's a person who is supposed to be monitoring things Yeah, like a sensitivity Yeah, like a sensitivity coach. Yeah. And I'm, I don't want to make assumptions, but I'm, assuming that there was no one like that on set when they were filming this. Yeah. But I wonder if there are people that are on set now who who do yeah, that. Yeah, I would hope or so. Or if it's the responsibility of the assistant director, the script supervisor, someone. I'm yeah. not entirely sure, to be honest, but I'm curious about that because, you know, despite the fact that it wasn't okay in the year 2003, I do think that we have become more sensitive to it now in the year 2022, especially because we're existing in a post-Me Too era. Yeah. So having that come to the surface, especially by women, you would have to imagine that there might be some sort of monitor on sets to make yeah, sure that things like that aren't happening. I so. What I found interesting, though, within their conversation is that they kind of flipped the script. The I, I'm not familiar with the people who he talks to on his podcast. I know it's him, and it sounds like it was a couple other women. Yeah, there's three other women. I'm not sure who they are. But they flipped the script a little bit, and they were saying, you know, that would not fly if it was a woman. Totally, yeah. But it has. I think that's the looking at it from 
a 2022 lens. Yeah, I think that that's the thing. It's like looking at the way that women are treated in television and film now absolutely wouldn't fly. But like since the dawn of media, that's exactly how women have been talked about in TV and film and also in real life. I mean, you and I lived in New York. I still live in New York. It happens to me regularly. And, and like that's to say, like it's absolutely not okay. No, <laughs> but but I do, I do disagree because like it, it quote unquote wouldn't fly. But like I think it's just because it's spoken to a lot because it happens a lot more frequently to women. Yeah, but that's not to say that it should happen to men. Definitely but it just, not. It happens all the time. And I I would also say that I don't think men speak out about it nearly as much, which is why I admire Scott for bringing this up. I know. Yeah, I'm glad that he had this moment to like shed light on this scene that we all kind of just like glossed over yeah all of us laughing at it all these years is like one of the hardest moments like he called it the most disturbing scene for him as he filmed this show so like to look back and be like that I like thought it was so funny that like that I had laughed at it in the past that knowing that that was so hard for him really I hate it yeah one of his co-hosts actually spoke to that exact feeling as well and she even said that watching it before they did the episode recording she felt like I can't believe that I laughed at that. But also, of course you're laughing at it because you're not hearing about the perspective of how it impacted one of the actors on set. Now, with that said, pivoting into the second part of our caller's question, as you just said, he spoke to that being the most disturbing scene on Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I recognize and understand and totally respect that for him... That's the most disturbing scene on Gilmore. Well, that's what I that's what I mentioned before about actor experience versus narrative. In the narrative, like one of the things that the caller mentioned was that there's two schools of thought about this. It's good that we're talking about that the fact that you shouldn't objectify anyone in any sort of capacity like this. And he's totally right to say it. And that on the other hand, in the narrative, it's sort of flipping the script about, yeah, women get objectified in the media all the time, constantly. So prevalent. It's like to the core of Hollywood that to flip the switch, like that's kind of what Amy is doing here. Right. In the narrative. But I never saw that within the narrative of the show as the worst scene. But I can easily say and look at that now that actor experience wise, that's the worst scene that I've heard of. The experience side of that being the most disturbing scene, but I don't think it's the most disturbing scene in the narrative. I don't even think it's the most disturbing scene in this episode. Interestingly, most people in the fandom would argue that the most disturbing scene in Gilmore Girls is in this episode, and it's not that, which is what I think the Huffington Post did right and wrong at the same time because they grabbed a lot of people's attention. When I was first sent that article, I was like, oh, they just got to Keg Max. They're going to talk about the scene in Kyle's bedroom. Because I've been really excited for them to get there. Excited is the wrong word, but like I've been really intrigued for them to get to this point because I think pretty universally in the fandom, Keg Max is talked about in such like hushed tones. Truly. No one really watches this episode I know that you and I like fall off after this until the beginning of ballrooms and biscottis in season four because we just like it's just so uncomfortable it's very uncomfortable but it's uncomfortable because of the scene in Kyle's bedroom yeah and I was really really excited to hear their perspective on it I really wanted to hear someone within the production talk about this scene because it's been so it's been debated so widely yeah, by sure. the fandom, but I've never seen anyone in the production mention anything about it. 
I mean, that doesn't mean that they haven't. I've, sure. As someone who is, like, very integrated into the Gilmore world, I've never seen anyone talk about it. And I was really excited for someone from the show to bring that sort of perspective of, like, how is it handled that day on set? Like, what was the writing intention there, if they knew any of that? Well, to be fair, Scott isn't necessarily privy to that. He wasn't in the scene. Fair. He doesn't know what was going through the writers' minds when they wrote right. that scene, what their intentions were, how it was portrayed. How it was meant to come across. Right. However, I am disappointed that the energy that was brought into his personal experience on set and how that translated to the narrative in speaking to how it kind of diminishes his character, how it diminished Lorelai and Suki, that that same energy was not brought to the scene in Kyle's bedroom, which again is arguably the most disturbing scene in Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and the... There's like a sense of like, I don't know how that scene was handled between Alexis and Milo Mm -hmm. and like what happened there. And I think that I would really like to talk about this in the future with you, with like someone else here that might have like more insight to that, like an intimacy coach or someone who talks about sexual assault in media and how like that sort of is portrayed to have like a better grasp on this situation. But I agree. I think this is the most disturbing scene. I think that for a lot of people... They never forgave Jess for this. Yeah. And we weren't talking about that as often as we should have been or as we are now in the year 2003. But again, to directly quote Scott. It wasn't okay then and it's not okay now. But that's where I get to it of like, this is the narrative and he had a real experience with this. But they did they did shift into what that experience then reflected onto the characters in the narrative. And I wish that they would have then brought the same energy to the scene of Kyle's yeah. bedroom. Because though it is not as real as an actor experience and him sharing that, which again is totally valid and I completely respect where he's coming from. Yeah. That narrative is a representation of how a lot of people namely women have been made to feel in those situations and women are like the main demographic of this show and so I think a lot of the times when people reference this scene you can't really watch it without your subjective experience and so it's really hard to like separate anything that you've gone through with what is happening here I agree I was surprised that they immediately then went into the Dean and Jess fight rather than taking stock of like What does this say about Jess's character? Yeah, I know he was upset. I know he was angry. I know that Rory tried to kind of talk to him because he was like really sullen. Yeah, really broody mood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we will unpack this scene at another time. But I agree. I just wish that the same energy was brought to that scene as it was to Scott's lens of the objectification of him as an actor and Luke's character from Lorelai and Suki because again he speaks to what it then says about the character I just wish that there had been more of that and I recognize that this is Scott's first time watching the show through so there's a lot that can fall through the cracks but that's a big deal and I also recognize that because it's his first time watching the show he may not be as in tune with the fandom and their thoughts on it as we are because we are the fandom right this is a podcast for the fandom but I do think that because he brought that energy into it and because he spoke to his own personal experience and feeling objectified and speaking to how it's equally not as okay for women to objectify men as it's not okay for men to objectify women. I really wish that he had continued to keep that energy at the level that it was for the remainder of the episode because I do think that unfortunately him speaking to that experience though incredibly valid overpowered and overshadowed a scene within the narrative that could have been acknowledged in the same way. 
Yeah, because at the end of the day, his experience trumps the narrative of the TV show. Yes, but when you have a podcast that is talking about the narrative of the show, and maybe that's not really what their podcast is about. Again, I don't really have a frame of reference. I know that it's a recap podcast, and it may really be this is a podcast that is about Scott's experience on the show. I don't know. And if it is, then that's what they were there to talk about, and they weren't there to talk about the narrative. They were there to talk about their thoughts, feelings, and opinions on the show, and if they didn't have an opinion on what happened in Kyle's bedroom, that's their prerogative that's their right I just think that as a podcast where we really dive into the narrative because we know the show as well as we do because we have a very different experience and a very different relationship with the show than Scott has he has a very unique relationship from being on the show and from watching it for the first time yeah Yeah. it's so fascinating to me that is why we chose to address this today because our podcast talks about the narrative of the show That is what we zero in on. And again, it's not to negate Scott's experience. I just think that it could have been given the same or more sensitivity than it was given. Some amount of sensitivity or spotlight on that scene without glossing over it would have been, I think, appreciated. Yeah. And I think that that's where we're both at at the end of the day is that I'm really sad that Scott had this experience. Yeah, me too. I really hate that he felt like he couldn't speak up, that that is like a very much a reality for people who are in Hollywood who are part of shows that if you speak up about things like this if you rub people the wrong way you're difficult to work with yeah you're difficult to work with or they're gonna kill you off the show Luke's gonna get hit by a car five episodes from now and that's just really scary that your personal experience like that is taken into account in how you're able to get jobs in the future because he did speak to the fact that if it happened now it would never would have flown and I'm glad that he's gotten to a place like that and had a platform to share his experience with all of us because I think all of us will now look at that scene differently I just think that from the other side in a much different way if they're going through the narrative that maybe it's worth looking at the fandom's experience of this episode and taking some sensitivity to it with how everyone else has seen it even if when you watch it you might not feel the same way as everyone else about it yeah I agree again I think that to answer this caller's question and the question that a lot of people have thrown into our dms I think that two things can be true at once we can acknowledge Scott's experience and you know feel for him and advocate for more men to speak up on feeling objectified because it has been so common for women for so long that we feel more comfortable speaking up because of the me too movement that men should also feel equally as comfortable because people are people yeah but it is true that there could have been more sensitivity and more of that same energy brought to the narrative and the scene in the narrative so I think two things can be true at once I think we can talk about both and and make space for both Yeah, but at the end of the day, we do want to come back and talk about this scene, but I think that between the two of us, we want to have maybe a productive conversation with someone who has knowledge of this as it's dealt in media or even in real life just to lend to the conversation in a way that maybe we don't have the perspective of to label this the right way, because I think that with our show, which is like 98% women, on talking about a show that is predominantly watched by women that this is such an experience that is had by almost all women that to take this and talk about this show that we love that has this moment and address it with some sensitivity and not just leave it 
and gloss over it. Yeah, no, we want to make sure that we're not leaving any loose ends untied. Yeah, and we'll we'll let you know when that conversation happens so that if that's not an episode that you feel comfortable listening to, that you can skip right over it. And of course, if you have a different opinion than what we just shared in this episode today, feel free to call the hotline and we can continue having this conversation because I do think that it is an important one to have about the way that people are represented in television and the way that intimacy is represented in television so if you have any more thoughts to share or if you have any thoughts to share on any other topic we invite you to call in until next time until next time if you have more for us to consider unpopular opinions spicy takes things you think we're forgetting or you just want to say hi give our voicemail a call at 860-578-4653 that's 860-578-4653